0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 12 of the Turn-Based Podcast. This hasn't been exactly, you know, two weeks per se, but, you know, we're doing better. We're getting closer to a regular schedule. And so today we're going to talk to you about some RPGs, and I have some guests with me here. Some of them you might recognize. Go ahead and introduce yourself, fellas.
1: Who's going first? (laughs) You spoke first.
0: I think you <laughs> just <Right>. did. <laughs>
2: All right, fair enough. Um, hello. Uh, i go by the name of Rams. I'm a writer Aww. on the Epic Network. I'm creative, and I'm a little tired. So excuse this whole monotone-style voice.
0: With me on, on the, me on the podcast, you can't be monotone compared to me. So don't even um. worry about it.
2: You're like a little child with way too much enthusiasm, I'm a bit, like, droopy at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's cool to be on the show, thanks for having me. Yeah.
3: Yes, this is Richard Bailey, uh, Editor-in-Chief of TheCoalition.com, just wanted to welcome everybody to a new episode, and I look forward to uh, having a very good discussion today.
1: Yep, and you know me, I'm not a special guest or anything, I'm always on turn-based, um, but I shouldn't be here today because this is ruining my credibility. But with that being said, my name is Gary Swaby, and it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to go ahead and just drop by and let your worldwide fans hear you.
1: Yeah, man, worldwide fans. People better not talk about me.
0: All right, man, I appreciate it. I really do. It's going to help us out a lot. I'm sure. All right, so now let's move into talking about a game <laughs> that uh, you probably never heard of. We we never talk about it. It's kind of under the radar. Not many people know about it. It's uh, it's definitely an it's an indie game. I don't. You probably never heard of the developer either. It's called Mass Massive Effect Effect, I think, or something like Mass Effect. I think is what it's called. <laughs> and brings
2: um, a, Rings stu- a bell.
0: Yeah, somehow I think I, I, think the I know game, which one you're on about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it I didn't think it sold that well, but apparently it sold enough to warrant a fourth game. Um wow. you know, they just finished the third one this year and it must have sold really I heard everyone hated it, but I guess it still sold well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. so good for them. Uh so that's uh actually scheduled to be released in late twenty fourteen or early twenty fifteen. Uh BioLife, I think was the name of the company <laughs> that made it. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool I guess you know they're going to be making a new one of those uh, did either of, any of you guys play those the ma- massive effect games
1: well now you mention it it sounds like something like we might have mentioned on the past four episodes or something but <laughs> I don't know it, I can't really think but um, yeah, it, it does sound interesting that they're dropping this game and what was it, 2014
0: to 2015? Yeah,
1: it's there. It's it's fairly quick considering the game only came out this year. Hmm. Uh, that well, the last game only came out this year. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty quick lead time. I mean, from what I understand or from what I've heard, that game um, ended pretty crazy. So, I mean, I guess they they want to hurry up and redeem themselves with the with the Mass Effect Four.
0: Yeah, that's probably it. I mean, it's definitely a quick turnaround, but at the same time if you consider the fact that they've already released Mass Effect three three times this year. You know, they <laughs> released it first, then they did the trilogy and now it's coming out on the Wii U. So I mean, I guess it's not too surprising. Well what do you guys think the well what are they gonna do in the fourth one? Like do you think it's gonna be a prequel or do you think it's gonna take place in the future?
2: Uh, I think um I think it's definitely going to carry on after the whole Shepard deal. Um 'cause because they pretty much confirmed it themselves saying, you know, Shepard's not going to be in the next game. Um whether they reference him or not, I don't know. They probably will considering the whole galaxy was at stake during Shepard, you being Shepard and everything. Um I think it'll be a new character. I'd like to see it be like a possibly an Asari or something to be honest. Try something new, make the female lead character a more prominent role or something. And, um, uh, you know, there was the whole Leviathan DLC that happened for this game. Massive effect. Uh, I think, you know, they could probably take focus onto that because where else can you go with the Reaper storyline? Like, where yeah. else can you go with it?
0: It's, I think we talked about this on a past episode that. They've kind of dug themselves into a hole here where (laughs) the original trilogy is literally the most epic thing that could ever possibly happen. Like, you know, it's it's an entire species that people didn't even know existed. They came to eat the entire galaxy and you single handedly fight it. So,
2: yeah, I mean, it turns out they're (laughs) the people that, you know, brought these species onto a planet, and then they devour them again, and then they bring new racins again. They pretty much take out the weak of all the races that exist, and you know, they're God, basically. How are you going to top that? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, obviously, and again, the DLC of Leviathan, you know, they consider the Leviathans being the one thing that can beat the Reapers. I mean, it was a, such a stupid storyline, and I mean, I haven't played it, so I, I don't really know the outcome of it, but at the same time, you know, if you're going to carry on with it, if you've got things that can beat the Reaper, you may as well make them kind of the main, you know, villains of the next few games, if they carry the story further with it. Who knows? But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. But at the same time, considering how it ended with Mass Effect 3, like all three different choices, you know, eventually see the demise of the Reapers in a sense. So, what what can you
0: do, really? Yeah, that's true. I think, and I'm pretty sure Gary would be excited by this idea, if they took a Dragon Age Origins approach with Mass Effect 4 and let you play as various different races and different origin stories within the Mass Effect universe, Mm. oh my god. That'd be so
1: awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, I I think... That's that's like kind of the one card that they've been holding on to because people have always wanted to play as like a different race or something and people, you know, they, they always imagined a Mass Effect MMO where you'd be able to do such a thing. But if they allow you to do that in a fourth game, then that's definitely something that will make people more interested and it will set the game aside from the previous games.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think that, I mean, this is kind of grasping at straws here, but in multiplayer in Mass Effect 3, you could play as different races, so maybe, yeah, I know, but maybe that kind of hints that they're looking at being able to do, I don't know, I'm just kind of making up stuff, but. (laughs) No, I
1: see what you're saying, it does kind of, it could be like a hint that they're ready to let us, you know, try out other races and stuff in the main story.
0: Yeah, because it it means they've already kind of got the controlling those races down, like the animations and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it seems like maybe they could take that concept and just put it over, combine it with Dragon Age Origins' idea of how you start the game, and that would be amazing. That would be so awesome. I would play that game over and over and over just to play all the different races and stuff. Bear in mind,
2: this is now in EA's control, basically. So, but,
0: <laughs> I apologise.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I offend? How dare you? I'm sorry. Okay, let me rephrase that. To be fair, it's seemingly manipulated through the voices that be.
0: Are you trying to say that Bioware is indoctrinated by EA? not EA in EA or the reapers because i think that's true maybe <laughs> it seemingly
2: works that way doesn't it but um <laughs> in all fairness and saying like uh you know they'd want to compete with stuff like gears you know how successful that was and everyone seems to be going down that route which is rather annoying so i wouldn't be surprised if mass effect 4 introduces four characters and it focuses more towards multiplayer as well mm-hmm. You know, it'll get bigger audiences. It'll kind of have that more action feel to it. Uh, everyone's screaming, whatever. Um,
3: I think so you, that would
0: work. Can you just edit this part out, Gary, so we can pretend like it never happened?
3: No, leave it no. out. <laughs> no, I do. <don't.
2: laughs> Damn it.
0: I don't even want to think about that, because that would ruin everything, because there would be no you know role playing there would be no character driven dialogue you couldn't decide what happened if you're playing co-op with other people cuz no one would agree on what they wanted to happen it would just it would just be gears of war in space that's all it would be
3: yes that's that's right true, um true i would like to say though that i believe that rams has a has a point cuz i don't know if you noticed but uh the way that they marketed in uh mass effect 3 when it came out A lot of people were saying, you know, well, I didn't know that this game was that big of a deal. But the EA pushed that to a whole new level with the way that they marketed it when it came out. It's like every time I turn on the TV, I see a commercial every five or ten minutes. So I knew that the game was coming. Okay. And then we get the game. A lot of people said that they enjoyed Mass Effect 2, but of course, they really made this game more action oriented with the things that you were able to do. So I can see them. Changing up everything uh of course, also they want to avoid the damage control caused by those that left the left the team, so you know, I know that uh Casey Hudson has already started asking fans what they want to see in the next game, so I'm a little cautious, but uh you know we will see i uh, I would prefer something closer to what you guys said about the different races, but uh I just don't know if if they will let e a you know, take full control or whether or not they're going to have freedom to do those types of things.
0: Time will tell. I mean,
2: personally speaking as well, like, you know, I don't don't want it to be kind of a whole multiplayer thing either. I'd like the whole user experience and the way, you know, 1 and 2 were done as well. And I haven't even touched the multiplayer on Mass Effect 3, so I don't know what that's like and what the story goes through there either. So (laughs) I'd like it to be, you know, a fresh story, but nothing too over-the-top or just craziness, you know? Just typical action-y, pissed-off character with a omni-sword and rubbish like that. Just back to how it was with 1 or 2, you know?
1: That's yeah, like, Rams, because like, on the last podcast, one of the things I mentioned was, like, you know how in Dragon Age Origins, right... It's this big epic story where you have to fight the, the arch demon, and you know you have to fight the blight and all that. So that could be seen as similar to the uh, reapers in Mass Effect, but in in Dragon Age Two they kind of toned it down and it was like more political, but it was still good. <laughs> like story story wise, it was still good. It's just the gameplay was kind of messed up. The game, but, play, the gameplay was really basic, and you fought two dragons only. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but like, what would you think if they if they did that with Mass Effect? Because like, there's no way they can outdo the Reapers. So, what if they just tone Mass Effect Four down and just make it more political and focus on the dialogue and the narrative? Well, you,
2: can't, you can't even make it political either because there's no council technically. You know, depending on what you did again in number three. You know, did you shoot Adina? Did you, you know, destroy the council in number one? There is no council, so it's going to be messed well, up. Again. It Could
1: be about rebuilding it.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Is all well, like you said about the whole political thing. So it could possibly go towards that. But then, why do people want to bring in? Look, why do we want to keep playing political games and everything like that? Why do we want to keep tipping the balance towards humanity all the time and everything? It will be the game will just be crazy. Really in that case. Like it would just be an all out war with everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that can be the setting, like because obviously there's gonna be a lot of conflict. If there's no council, it's gonna cause, you know, tons of conflict amongst the different races and stuff, so that could probably be the basis of the story. It could probably be you have to Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say like you have to unite everyone again and form a new council.
0: You know, that's exactly what I was just thinking, how Especially if they do the origins idea, so each time you play the game, you could try to position a different race as like the head of the council or something like that, and so it would give you a different, different looks on the way the galaxy could turn out based on which character you play as. I think Mm -hmm. that that would be awesome. That would be the ideal thing. That could work.
2: That could work. And of course, you've got like the Krogans. They're now rebuilding themselves and.
0: I mean, especially um, since the ending of Mass Effect Three, they would. Um, the, maybe the game could take place, however long afterwards, where they're still in the process of rebuilding the mass relays and reconnecting the galaxy. Yeah. So you could have one of the different races take the lead, basically, and each each character could lead the different races.
2: Mm.
0: I think that'd be cool.
2: I think they'd bring back a war again, like with the Turians, maybe being. Um... Not evil but the the guys you have to kind of beat because Turians obviously expert marine type right. officers right. and everything. And the Shanksy War, which was between humans and Turians, like humans pretty much struggled through that, but you know, they came to some random agreement or something. I can't remember how it ended to be honest, but
1: uh yeah. It would seem like most of the conflict would probably be between humans, Turians, and Asari.
2: Cause, like, yeah,
1: because that was the original council. Yeah.
2: Sort of thing. And um, Salarians, maybe, a, but they're kind of,
1: nah. I think those three are, like, the, the strongest races, probably. Yeah. Like, the, the most dominant of them.
0: Right, yeah.
2: It'll be interesting, overall. I, I mean, I'm intrigued, but at the same time... Considering how 3 was, you know, I hope it just doesn't go down that route. I just hope, like, you know, it can go back to having this really original, classy storyline that that just works out. Who knows?
0: Agreed. And uh so just real quick, a few other topics, since we're already talking about Mass Effect 3 yet again. Um The trilogy recently released, as most of you should know. And what that means, that's actually pretty big news, because it means that the first Mass Effect is now available on PS3, which, you know, was never possible before. So I think that's it's pretty big news, because that means that now people can play the entire trilogy on PS3, start on the first game, and transfer the character all the way through. And I think that's, that's pretty huge. Um... It also kind of says something for Microsoft's ability to keep exclusives. I mean, this game was originally conceived as, you know, the next big exclusive. It came out only on 360 originally. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think that's pretty awesome and funny.
3: Yeah, it is. Very disturbing.
0: <laughs> and uh, I guess one last thing to talk about from Aspect is uh, I'm sure you guys agree that the Mass Effect 3 ending was pretty disappointing. We've had this discussion before. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: But if you play the game on PC, there is a mod in development called the Happy Ending Mod that Uh basically changes the entire ending for Mass Effect 3. And the reason why this mod, I think, is worth mentioning is for two reasons. First is that this this ending should have been an option, I think, in Mass Effect Three. If you did everything correctly, if you, you know, united everything, did all you could, then I think this is the ending you should have gotten. And second is that the funny thing is that this ending is better not because they went out of their way to add a bunch of stuff, but because of the stuff that they just deleted entirely from the ending. So what they did basically was, whenever you're sitting there, oh, okay. Spoiler alert: if you haven't beat Mass Effect Three, I'm going to talk about the ending. Well, after you yeah. get up into the Citadel, you know that you kill the elusive man, and you're sitting there with, um, dang, what's his, what's his, Anderson. You're sitting there with Anderson, and you know basically he dies there, and uh, then you get like a call in from on your headset from Joker and Hackett and everything, and the thing that's different is that. Whenever you are sitting there, they start talking about how they are starting to win. And then whenever the Citadel opens up, it shoots out the beam. And it basically plays the selective parts from the ending that shows the reapers dying. Yeah. And that's it. Like, there's no kid. No, there's no little godchild. There's no, you know, Normandy gets stranded on foreign planet because Joker was going through a relay for no reason. You know, none of that's in there. So all that's there is, you know, you destroy the Reapers, you're successful, you win. Then the end of the game actually shows Shepard on the Normandy, placing Captain Anderson's plaque on the wall. And then whoever your romantic interest was, you know, you, like, embrace them, and you kind of, like, cry together or whatever. And that's the ending of the game. Wow. And, I mean, I think it's pretty well done. That sounds
3: awesome.
1: I didn't hear the
2: majority of it,
3: but uh, carry on. (laughs) Yeah, I... Well, I no. no, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, modders are always fixing games. You know, it's just what they do. But that does sound like something that should have actually been in the game. Go ahead, Rich.
3: Yeah, I would just like to say, I, I did happen to see the mod ending. And yes, I can completely agree with David that uh yes, far better. There's a lot more clarity in, in terms of what they had. There were some things that were taken out but like I said, they also added more clarity. And the fact that they had uh you know, I don't want to say it spoil everything for those that plan to see it. I'm pretty sure that there will probably be a link to, to that in this post. But um I just wanna say, yeah, I appreciated that uh they added the little things, especially as far as the characters. Some of the memorable characters that were actually in the game also had a final say as well. So, well, yeah, it was great. You guys need to see it. Yeah, the one thing that could have really
0: put it over the edge, I think, is, you know, obviously if Bioware had actually did this, then these things would have been in it. Um, first is the, like, stuff they did for the extended cut where it's just, like, still images and dialogue. I don't think that was enough. You know, th- they incorporated that into this mod. And they picked out the parts that were – that they wanted to include Mm-hmm. And that, the, some of that kind of stuff was good, but I think it would have been better if it was actually real animated cutscenes. And second is that if they had the scenes with all of the different like galactic resources that you had gained throughout the game actually contributing. Like, you know, if you united the Geth and the Quarian, or not Quarian, um, actually, yeah, it, Quarian, right? Is that what Talia is? Yeah. Okay, yeah.
3: Yeah, of cool.
0: Like, if they showed them fighting together, or if they showed, you know, all of the Krogan that you rallied together, if they had all of those scenes in there, plus this concept, I think it could have been an amazing ending.
3: I definitely need to check it out, though. Um,
1: and if I remember, I'll put the video in the post as well, so everybody else can
3: check it out.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's pretty amazing. All right, so enough enough of that game that no one really knows about. I don't want to talk about indie games anymore. <laughs>
2: we had that much knowledge. I don't, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really don't know either. No. So instead, I want to talk about an upcoming game that's coming out very soon. I believe it's January 22nd here in the U.S. It's an um, RPG developed by Level 5 Studios, published by Namco. It's uh, developed in collaboration with Studio... Ghibli or Ghibli, I don't really know how to pronounce it honestly.
3: Yeah, Studio Ghibli.
0: Ghibli, there you go.
3: I and, say uh, Ghibli.
0: Well, either one. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh they make animated films. One of them was Spirited Away, which actually won an Oscar here. Whenever it nice. came out. Nice yeah, it's nice. great. Yeah. And they have a very distinct art style. It's very colorful. Almost it's very childlike in the way that it looks. But then um, they're combining that with the RPG expertise of Level 5, which, you know, did Dark Cloud, Rogue Galaxy, White Knight Chronicles, all of those kind of games. And they're kind of joining forces to make this one big epic anime RPG. And um, I played the demo, and my verdict is that I think that this will... is easily, easily one of my most anticipated games of next year um art style is beautiful it looks like a you know kind of a cartoon come to life that you actually get to go into and control um the combat system's kind of turn-based and real-time mixed together along with sort of pokemon in a way because you capture these little creatures and they level up and get different abilities and stuff um the storyline involves your mother dying and you having to go into this other world to bring her back to life basically. Uh there's there's more nuances to it than that but that's pretty much the summary of the game. Have any of you guys checked it out at all?
1: No, but I really want to um see like the thing is usually the usually RPGs like JRPGs with the real babyish art style puts me off. Like in the past, they've really put me off. But, um, there's something about Nino Kuni that actually has me intrigued. And I'm a fan of Level 5 because I played White Knight Chronicles. I enjoyed that. And, you know, I saw your video on PlayStation University as well. And, um, it just, it definitely seems like something I want to try out because there's been a big lack of JRPGs this generation. And also, I miss turn-based combat as well. There's been a real lack of that. So um, I'm really intrigued and I want to try it out. And I'll probably try out the demo. So, yeah, looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, I would like to say that I also saw the video on PlayStation Uni as well as read your demo impressions. And uh, yes, I was completely sold on this game. Once you said that Studio Ghibli was involved... Uh, you know, I love Spirited Away. That was actually one of the films that I remember when it came out. I saw it on DVD as well as the theaters. And I was just, yeah, this this is excellent. Uh, being that I have went to school for animation, I'm a real big fan of, you know, the creative team that worked on that movie. But um, as far as the game is concerned, yeah, as everybody knows, I don't really play that many RPGs, but I've already decided that this is one game I'm going to definitely play next year. Um, so, look forward to talking about it more once I'm able to check it out.
1: Um, what, what are the, what films have Ghibli made? Because I've never actually seen anything by them.
2: Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Kiki Delivery Service, Princess Mononoke, um, oh, what's the other one? Ponyo.
1: Um. Bleh. <laughs> wow, we've Roscoe. got a real anime fan experience. Yeah, and um,
3: Spirited Away had a really good soundtrack too because I remember yeah. I, I actually had the soundtrack at one point
1: Spirited Away
2: especially, that, that film kind of put well, no I mean, all the Ghibli, gibb- whatever you want to call it all of the movies are really good but um, I think it was because of the type of animation, it kind of upgraded to the studios did themselves, like, it was just it kind of put them, like Internationally known, so well, yeah, more more than like what Princess Mononoke did and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's there's quite a big collection. They usually do it on, um, well, UK TV here. Like they just show a buttload of his movies. But um, yeah, yeah, it's worth a watch. Majority of them, a good watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's for all intents and purposes, it's basically the Disney of Japan.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and speaking of Disney, yeah, the Disney was the one who actually w- helped them to get it distributed over here in the states. So that was a big another reason why everybody wanted to check it out, uh, and they did check it out. So,
0: and the one of the things that really does interest me is that you know similar to some Disney films is that you know it has a very childlike premise and art style and it's very approachable and easy to digest for children but at the same time the storyline itself is actually very deep and mature whenever you really get into it and that's going to be how this game is as well where there's going to be a lot of mature elements it's going to be kind of a coming of age story of the kid Oliver the main character and so it's it's going to deal with a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily all childlike Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to play that game once it comes out. All right, and so we can go ahead and move on to our main topic now where everyone's going to have a little bit of stuff to talk about. Um, since the year is coming to an end, I think everyone has, you know, they've, we've all played a lot of games. We all have our nominees for our personal games of the year. You'll be seeing those pretty much already on the site whenever this is posted. Um, everyone's going to have their own list. and But we're going to do our own list here where we talk about our specific RPGs of the year. And we're each going to do three. So I'll go ahead and turn that over to Mr. Gary A. Swaby, who can kick us off.
1: Yep. Okay, so um, I'll start at number three. Uh, now. I'm having trouble figuring out which one should be 2, which one should be 3, but I guess... Yeah, okay, so number 3, I'm going to go with Final Fantasy XIII 2. And um thing about this game was, uh like with Final Fantasy XIII, the the gameplay was really dumbed down compared to what we're used to in Final Fantasy games. It was very linear, like you start at one point and go to, you basically run through a straight line, almost, to to get to the end of that stage and just fight, people, fight um, enemies in between. So it was very linear, very basic, but the storyline and the visuals were amazing. Like, that was one thing the game had going for it, its presentation and the soundtrack. But with Final Fantasy Thirteen Two, it was kind of like the opposite. Like, in, in this game, the gameplay excelled and the storyline was just really stupid and just didn't even make any sense. <laughs> and it, it just seemed like a, th- a throwaway time travel plot that they pulled from somewhere. So, yeah, I mean... Overall though, it was a really fun experience, it was definitely the best, it might be the only, I can't remember, no it's not the only, but it was the best JRPG of this year, in my opinion. And um I actually had fun playing it, and beating it, even though the storyline sucked, and uh, in that game you also get to um collect monsters and stuff, so it's got the Pokemon effect going on. And um, playing as Sarah, which is Lightning's sister, was kind of cool. Because, you know, you spend Final Fantasy XIII trying to rescue her. And, you know, now it's like the the script has been flipped. Because now you're Sarah and you're trying to rescue Lightning, in a sense. Because she's trapped in a different dimension. So it's like you're traveling back and forth through time, just trying to save Lightning and stuff. And, um, you gotta solve all these paradoxes and, and all that sort of thing. So there's a, there's a lot to do in that game besides, you know, just running from one point of the level to the end. You know, there's a lot more to do. There's, there's like a theme park setting sort of thing where you can like gamble and play mini games and all that sort of thing. So there is a lot more to offer than, than what 13 had. But, um, you know, the presentation just, it just wasn't up to par with 13. But yeah, it definitely deserves to be in my top three though. I really enjoyed it for what it was.
0: See, based on your description, it sounds like that could have been one of the most epic and amazing storylines ever. Like, it sounds like it could have been so cool.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely had potential. It's just that it just didn't make sense. Like, especially in in the same context as, you know, the previous game. Like when when you put them together it just doesn't make any sense at all. Like if if it was its own game by itself, it might might have been a bit better. But because it's carrying on from thirteen, you know, it just makes no sense at all.
0: Yeah, I just might skip thirteen and play that one then. Seems like it might make it better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you could you could skip thirteen if you wanted to. Like it's not it's not completely necessary that you play it but you know it's the same characters and it kind of follows on from what happened at the end of 13 right but yeah you could play it without playing 13 but I I actually recommend playing 13 though like if you if you're a serious Final Fantasy fan I think you should still play 13 but uh, yeah so that's my number three any more questions or comments about that or you suck.
3: <laughs>
1: Final Fantasy,
0: we're like... Final Fantasy.
1: Okay, so, moving on. <laughs> My number two game has to be Mass Effect 3. Um... I don't know where to start because we spoke about this game so much I'll just go ahead. on the past few episodes. <laughs> so you know, I'm just gonna keep it brief. You know, um, it, it was it was really fun where it lasted. You know, there was a lot of action in this game compared to the previous ones. Um, the build-up was pretty fun. Uh, there was uh, there were certain things I wanted to learn more about, and certain things that should have been in the core game that they offered as additional content. And, you know, that kind of stuff annoyed me a little bit. And then there was the whole controversy with the ending. We already talked about that. We talked that to death. But, yeah, overall, it was a solid RPG game. I mean, more action than RPG, but still, you know, it it had elements of role-playing. You get to make choices, even though they don't mean much, but... You know, you get to make choices, you get to build up your character, you get to establish relationships with other characters. So, you know, it it did what it was supposed to do, I guess. So, it deserves to be number two. And my number one RPG of 2012 has to be Guild Wars 2. Now, I knew nothing about Guild Wars before... Dave started, you know, talking about Guild Wars 2, telling me what it was about, how it plays, you know, the characters and stuff like that, the races. You know, I I knew nothing about it, but after Dave got me into it and got me into a guild, and, you know, once I experienced the game, I was amazed, like, because this is... It's not my first MMO, but it's like... The first MMO that I've really gotten into and actually tried to make progress in. And I I have fun with it, man. I still play it now here and there. You know, it's, it's one of those games you can just, you can take a break from it, but you can revisit it here and there whenever you have the time. And, you know, the world is still there. The people are still there. There's always something going on, somebody to interact with. And the world is so huge. There's always random events going on in it. And, you know, um, um, Arena are always adding unique um, events to the game as well that that happen only one time. And I, I I kind of find that amazing, you know, that there could be events that you will only see once, you will only ever witness once in that game. You know, and to experience those things with your friends, your guild, whoever. That's kind of special, I think. So, yeah, Guild Wars 2 really impressed me. Um, I mean, it it just goes on and on. There's so much to do in the game. Like, you can craft things, you you can go and fight animals, whatever. It's just, there's always something to do, even if you're playing by yourself. So... Yep, that's my number one RPG. Any thoughts, questions, or comments?
3: Yeah, I would just like to say, uh, now I know I said earlier this year that I was, uh, definitely thinking about getting the gaming PC. Uh, I will have one next year without question because I've heard you and David talk so much about this game. Uh, yeah, I think it's about time we take the plunge, so. Now I look forward to trying this stuff out in 2013.
1: Cool. All right, so who's next, Dave?
3: All right, I guess I'll
0: go ahead and go next. It sounds to me like you already read something that I posted on Coalition. I'm just (laughs) going to go out here and say that I should have gone first, since we basically have the same (laughs) list. (laughs) I guess I'll, I'll talk about the one... Pick that's different. And that's my number three pick. I haven't played Final Fantasy thirteen two, and so my pick it, it was very close. It was very hard for me to decide whenever I made my list on the site between Dragon's Dogma and Kingdoms of Amalur, but I'm gonna go with Dragon's Dogma, and the reason for that is I think Kingdoms of Amalur is it's. I reviewed both games and I rated Amalur higher because I think Amalur is a more well-made game, more mass appeal. Overall, it's a better game, I think. But Dragon's Dogma just kind of has exactly what I like in a game for me personally. And my reason for that is because it has a much darker atmosphere, first of all, much more gritty, realistic graphics. Um, The combat's very, very, very intense. similar to Ambler, but also the fact that it's Um, On a much larger scale, a lot of the bosses and stuff you fight are basically skyscrapers. You climb on top of giant trolls and dragons and griffins and all different kinds of mythological creatures. And you fight them and you have your whole party with you, your different AI companions that you can customize. And they interact with you just like a real person, really. Uh, They're very smart. They adapt to the environment very well. Um, there's so much to do in that game; it's it's ridiculous. There's it's a massive game. Um, the I, I love everything about it. Really, I, I could play that game for a very long time, and I really get bored. Uh, you can change classes on the fly, which is also similar to Amalur. Um So, I mean, it's it's a really good game. I really really enjoy Dragon's Dogma, and it's also I was excited for the game, but I didn't quite expect it to really be quite as good as it was. It kind of I think surprised me, and I think it surprised a lot of people that it, re- it did end up selling pretty well. It's getting a sequel. They have some DLC coming out for it soon, so I think it's going to become a, a big Capcom franchise, which is good because you know there needs to be more franchises like it out there. Um, it's also surprising that it's a JRPG, but it's very very Western in the style. That it's a big yeah. open world. It's an action RPG. You know, so it's it's interesting to see a, a Japanese developer take on this type of game and actually succeed at it. So I think that, you know, deserves commendation in and of itself right there. Um, yeah, so I know none of you have played it, so I, I definitely recommend playing it.
1: Yeah, you know what, like, those two games you mentioned, Kingdoms of Amalore and Dragon's Dogma, like, those are two games I regret not playing this year but I will eventually pick them up and try them out.
0: Yeah, especially Dogma, because one of the cool things you can do is, if you get it on PS3, um, you can download my companion that I created and take him into your game, and then whenever you take him into your game, the stuff that he learned from playing with me transfers over to you. So if you're going to be fighting a boss I've already fought, (laughs) he will know how to fight that boss and give you tips while you're fighting.
1: Wow, that's awesome. See, more developers need to do shit like that, man. That's creative.
0: Yeah, it's so cool, and it works really well. So whenever I'm not playing the game, other people can take him into their game. And whenever he comes back, they can get some items to give me. They can rate him on his combat skills, his appearance. And then it'll tell me what knowledge he's gained, what quests he's picked up, information on, (coughs) stuff like that. You know, They can do anything they want to him.
1: Sounds freaky.
0: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and for my next two, I'm i I'm not even going to talk about them, really, because I've already talked about them so much. Um, Mass Effect 3 is my number two pick. Um, simply for the fact that I think being part of the franchise it's a part of is the reason why. I mean, if it was a new IP that had an ending like that and kind of like did some of the stuff that game did... I don't think I would love it as much, but the fact that it was the finale to the greatest sci-fi trilogy ever created in my mind, that alone made it so it, it made it almost impossible to fail. And so I think that's it had that to its advantage. Um you know, I've I whenever I play games I get pretty invested in them, but this game made me experience the whole range of emotions. In so many different situations, you know, whenever some characters died, I'll be honest, I cried. They weren't manly tears, they were emotional, sad tears, (laughs) and I'm fine with admitting that. I I got legitimately scared in many moments. I I was furious at Kai Lang. I've never hated a single person in a game so much in my life.
1: Yeah, of, I hate that I don't wanna be.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the the, the <laughs> whole character itself was stupid, but some of the stuff that he did, and the elusive man, and just some of the characters in general, I, I've i never had that type of hate for a character in a game before. <laughs> Usually it's just, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm the good guy, gonna go beat the bad guys, it's a game, blah, 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 but, I mean, this game... I, I felt invested in that world. And I don't think any game's ever really going to do that on that level to me again. So, bravo for that. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, just go ahead and cross-apply everything you said and everything we talked about before. And then, finally, Guild Wars 2. It's my RPG of the year. It's also my game of the year. Um, I, I don't really have much else to say. I've talked about this game a lot, too. It's the best MMO I've ever played. Um I was beyond excited. It lived up to all of my expectations, surpassed all of my expectations. It's 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 the best MMO I've ever played. It's perfect. Well not really perfect, but it's pretty close. Um yeah, I don't I don't have much else to say about it. So someone else can go now. Rams.
2: Me? Um well okay, people that do know me from, you know, making whatever here and an epic network which is like four and a half people. Um, no no, I'm like I'm like back I'm backdated with games and stuff. You know, I've had kind of like a few busy years and stuff and I'm only getting back into gaming this year, especially like the second half and everything, so I haven't really played a lot of RPGs. I've missed out on Guild Wars. Well, I'm hoping not to miss out. You know, I'm still planning to get it at some point, but I'm a Mac, and I'm, I don't know if copies are yet available for Mac. Um, so I'm waiting on that. Uh, there's a few games I want to play, but two games that's been mentioned I've played, um, I can say at least, you know, with uh, Kingdom of Amalur. I'm still playing that, in fact, you know, that that game is huge, like, yeah. it's, it's ridiculously huge, I mean, there's so much to do in there, but for me personally, I, I just find it as an okay game, I don't really find it as absolutely amazing, fanatic, whatever, you know, I agree with everything, you know, David, what you've said and all that, but... Uh, I think for for me, it's like, I, I just expect a little bit more, I mean, to me that game is the type of game which you want multiplayer in, you know, you want to kind of experience playing that game along with someone else, because it's such a big open world and it would make sense if there was, like, you know companions with you um, whether that be, you know, playing online with your friends or even AI controlled, no matter how dumb they can be and stuff, but the game is huge, I'm still playing, I'm still trying to get through it all. Um, it's cool, I love the artwork in there, you know, Todd McFarlane's a part of it, and he's one of my favourite artists, uh, considered, Um yeah, it's it's a good game, that one. Uh, so Kingdom of Amalur 1, RPG I can pick out from the list, and Mass Effect 3, which... You've already talked about, so do I need to go further <laughs> about it, or
3: no, oh, not really.
0: Who's your favorite character? Well,
2: ah, uh, okay, I mean, my most hated character in that game was Udina, you know the <laughs> moment the moment you get to shoot him, I was just happy <laughs> that that was just like a blissful moment for me. <laughs> Because seriously Dina was just irritating as hell. Like you get to see Anderson punch him all the time and then you think to yourself, Why can't Shepard do that? Why can't you do that personally? But he annoyed the hell out of me. He was shady from the game, like the first game. And, you know, in the third one, you just get to shoot him. And it's a renegade move as well, even though the you know, Mass Effect 3 didn't include anything about Paragon and Renegade stuff. Uh it was just great got to kill him. <laughs> it was it was just fun. But Mass Effect 3, I totally agree with what both of you have said about the game, the whole franchise in general, like in a sense, you know, despite the ending, despite like the whole story maybe bugging a few people out, um it's a good fun, it's a good finale. Um it's a good send-off in a sense. Like when you think more about it. Um You know, you played so much into these games. There were so many replay values in the first and second one. And maybe not in the third one exactly, but you feel really compelled to wanting to complete the game. You feel compelled to, you know, see an ending for Shepard, for yourself, for all the characters, really, that you care about. I don't like Garrus, but, you know, you still want to see him happy and stuff. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah. And there's calibrations, man.
2: You know what You know what I'm really annoyed about? I let Garrus beat me in that sniper thing. I let him beat me, and I died. <laughs> My Shepard dies knowing full well I let Garrus beat me in the sniper thing.
3: <laughs> that sucks. That really
2: sucks, because I did not like Garrus throughout Mass Effect. Like, I don't strongly hate him, I just find him useless in the team. He always dies for me. I can't beef him up or anything, you know? Anything I do for him, he just seems to die. He's the first to die, even when he's Archangel. You know, he he gets battered <laughs> midway
1: through the battle. Um, yeah, you know what? I I completely agree. I hate that mission because <laughs> Garris always dies. Like you're you're trying to save him, but he just always dies, he and just it makes died. me wonder. It <laughs> makes me wonder like how he even lasted that long in the first place.
2: How do if, you like, make no, it through no.
1: all three games? You know. <laughs>
2: He made it, even with scars on his face and everything. But, no, again, you, you feel compelled to save all the characters you can. You're you, you kind of attached to it.
0: Man, I... You know, it's,
2: it's been a good few years that the game's been out and everything. And even now I'm thinking, you know, should I play the first game again? Should I go back to this? Maybe even give number three a go, despite, you know, my thoughts about it and everything. Um, but, no, it's a good send-off. Technically, and yeah, that's that's two games that I played this year that are RPG related. Unfortunately,
3: boom! Hey, uh, I just want to say something real fast. EIC, yes. So, like I said, you know, as I said before earlier in the podcast, I haven't really played too many. RPGs that that, that will be changing this year but with that said there are at least two games that I did play. Of course we've already spoken about Mass Effect so I'm not going to elaborate on that further but one game that I would say all of you guys should try out if you haven't tried out yet The Witcher 2. Now I had an opportunity to attend a press event for this game when I went to PAX East back in Boston earlier this year um, and, you know, I got a chance to play the game hands-on. At that particular time, I wasn't really, because of the particular demo they had, I wasn't really uh sure if it would be a game that I would enjoy. But once I actually got the game, and I started to play through the game, and of course I reviewed it for the site, it's like, you know, this game is excellent. Uh CD project, you know, a studio that everybody should definitely keep on their radar, only because they make excellent quality games it's not really your average rpg it is a mature narrative and when i say mature i mean they have everything from you know plenty of violence plenty of sex and nudity uh strong character development and conversational pieces there are some choices that you get to make within the game that dictate how things turn out down the road which is also great um and of course one of the big things about this studio, another reason why I love them is that they don't necessarily believe in paid DLC. So anytime there there is any updates to the game, it's available completely free of charge, which is a practice that, of course, is unheard of in this day and age, but a lot of companies should take that practice and use that every now and then. But uh, without question, it was an excellent game. I know that they're currently working on a follow-up of course, this is not confirmed, but I already know they're working on the next one because I've seen a lot of job listings specifically looking for people who like that franchise. So, but I would say if you guys haven't gotten a chance to try it out, you really should. I think the chill is pretty cool game.
1: You know, yeah, you know what? That that was a great pick, man. Like, I because I totally forgot about that game. Like, not to diss it because I I played it. Um, I played the. 360 version. I uh, kind of want to get the PC one now, but um, the 360 version was pretty good. I know they changed a lot from the PC version. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that's definitely a, a good pick. I totally forgot about that game.
0: I guess, as the host of Turnbase, I'll allow it. Because technically, it came out last year and was ported to the 360 this year.
3: Well, oh yeah, it's good that you it's mentioned okay.
0: that. It's okay, uh, no, no, it's okay.
3: <laughs> no, no, but you know, it's it's good that you mentioned that because uh, that's something that I did not mention. Uh, the the Enhanced Edition, which I did play, is not entirely the same game because they did make a lot of changes so that it would work specifically for consoles or for right. 360, but they also added in some footage as well. They added in some extra stuff uh, you know, so a couple of extra gameplay sequences, some some more cinematic movies and stuff like that. So, but yes, you are entirely right. It is an old game, um, but without question, uh, the the fact that when it came to 360, because I haven't had a PC and I don't have a PC yet, it's like okay, that was a game that I was waiting for when I heard it was coming to 360, uh, because of course exclusives are. Uh, pretty much not existent on 360 unless it's Halo and Gears of War. So when I heard that that was coming, I said, "Oh yeah," but definitely, definitely, definitely worth playing, you know. Yeah, I've heard
0: some amazing things. I mean, last year when it came out on PC, there was a lot of people I knew that picked it as their RPG of the year over Skyrim. Oh, whoa! And so, I mean, I've I've heard some really, really amazing things about that game. And I, I definitely out. want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to play it. I, I tried the first game, couldn't really get into it because I hated the combat system. But I've heard the second one's quite a bit better in that regard. It's also just, you know, it's, RPGs especially, it's, it's a little difficult to get into the ones that are a little outdated. Just because mm-hmm. some of the gameplay mechanics are, are, are a little clunky whenever you compare it to games that are out now. So, I mean, I, I definitely want to play the franchise, and I think that The Witcher 2 appeals to me more, because it seems like it's just an overall really high-quality, you know, beautiful game. I've seen the screens and videos, and the graphics are incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the first game on PC. Um, I still got it on Steam, I just need to re-download it. But that game is a lot more harder to get into than The Witcher 2. Um just because it's yeah, it's, it's kind of an old game now, so it's it's kind of to it's kind of hard to get into it just because of how it controls and everything. Right. But I'm sure it's a I'm sure it's a great game, and it's a great storyline. It's just it's hard to get into that one, and The Witcher Two is it's a lot more updated, it's a lot more streamlined, and you know it's just it's just a easier experience to get into.
3: Oh, yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, if you do have The Witcher 2, you know that uh, you could just download the Enhanced Edition free of charge, right?
0: Yep, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, I I respect
1: them. I respect them for doing that, man, and they definitely deserve our support because more companies need to do that.
0: And see, the, the great thing about them, I remember when Witcher 2 came out, like, that game, and because of the respect that that company has garnered in the community is, you know, that game is very heavily torrented. That's very obvious because there's, like, no DMR, you know, and they, they just they let it be out there. But at the same time, it also sold, you know, millions of copies because the people that would torrent it, they would enjoy it so much and love the company so much, they would go back and buy it. Mm. Wow.
3: That's and So impressive. I think
0: that's, that's an interesting thing to note because, you know, most of the time it's kind of the opposite. So. Yeah. I think that's pretty... Yeah, I mean,
1: it it just goes to show that if you put out a quality product and you don't, you know, force people to to use DMR and all those different things, like, if you just put it out there and it's a quality product, people will appreciate it and they will support you. And most companies, you know, they just, they need to figure that out. Yeah.
3: Agreed.
0: Indubitably.
3: Well, I do have uh, one very last topic I wanted to to bring up very briefly. I know this was not on on the agenda, but I had to say something about it because I don't know if any of you guys played it. But, of course, the VGAs, they announced Dark Souls 2. Now, I don't know if any of you guys played the first game, but, I mean, are y'all looking forward to this game, or what do you think about the franchise?
0: I got a couple things to say. First... I played Demon Souls. I liked it. I thought it was, you know, a really good PS3 game. Uh, I really want to play Dark Souls. I haven't played it yet. I've heard amazing things from all my friends that like the same kind of games I do, so I know I'll love it. But I'm a little disappointed that they just decided to make, like, a direct sequel and call it Dark Souls 2. Um, I don't know. I I, I kind of would have liked that they continued the same trend of just making a spiritual successor kind of like a sort of different name type thing, Mm -hmm. because I'm not sure how well that series is going to translate to just having a direct sequel. It seems like it works better as kind of a sort of ambiguous setting type stuff. Um, Another thing that I've heard is that they're making it a lot more accessible, and I think the term that the developer used was understandable. Um, To me, that seems risky, because it seems like they're going to alienate the fan base because... The second game, Dark Souls, the entire marketing strategy was you will die a lot. Like, the whole marketing <laughs> yeah. for the game was this game is so hard, you're going to die all the time.
1: And now they're yeah, going to make this
0: third game and say, oh, it's going to be easier.
1: That That's what the game's known for, like, the difficulty level. Because any time I've heard somebody talk about it, you know, they're always talking about how tough it is. it is. It's like if you if you enjoy that game, you must be a masochist or something.
0: Right, right. And I mean, like, whenever they release the enhanced edition of the game, the name of it is Prepare to Die Edition. <laughs> <laughs> so it just seems to me that if they're going to try and then bring the people that were put off by it originally, that they're going to alienate the fan base that liked it. And the game is still probably going to be pretty difficult, so it's not like it's really going to be that approachable, so I don't know why they're trying to straddle the fence on this. Maybe they just didn't sell enough, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not like... The people I heard talking about the difficulty of the game, it's not like they were bashing the game or they didn't like it. It's just, you know, they were just describing how tough it was, but they still enjoyed it, so, you know.
0: Yeah, and the thing about it is, like, it's not difficult because it's poorly designed and it's cheap and you know bosses yeah. are ridiculously hard to beat because of whatever reason but the game's hard because of how perfectly it's designed like yeah, exactly. you know the more you play the game the better you get and the easier the game gets because you play better not because you level up and become overpowered but because you get better
1: yeah and i mean imagine how rewarding it it is for a gamer to actually beat a game like that without without having the developer hold their hand for it. You know, that's a very rewarding feeling, and it, it wouldn't be a good idea idea for them to take that away from us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I know, because one of my friends has told me about playing it, and he said that whenever you first begin the game, like it doesn't really give you any instruction as to what you're supposed to be doing. It kind of just really sets you out on your own. And one of the first bosses, you're actually supposed to avoid the boss because it's so overpowered at that moment in the game that you're not supposed to be able to fight it, so you're supposed to find a way to escape that area. But, you know, that's not really made clear, so you kind of have to figure that out on your own. And, you know, if you put in the time and effort, you could beat that boss early on, and that would kind of be a reward in and of itself. And so the game's kind of full of moments like that, where, like in Demon Souls, at the end of the tutorial, there's a boss that you like whenever you fight it, it's supposed to kill you because that's the catalyst for the story. But if you end up beating it at that moment, then you get you know a massive reward, but you know death is part of the game you're supposed to die and learn how to play better
3: hmm.
0: so I don't know, I just hope they don't lose that whenever they make this next game. All right, well, thank you for listening to Episode 12 of Turn-Based. If you have any nominations for your personal RPG of the Year, go ahead and leave those in the comments below. If it's a game that we didn't talk about that you wish we would have, or if you just want to talk about how correct we are and all the things we said, that's fine, too. <laughs> And keep an eye out on Coalition for future episodes. We're going to try to keep this as regular as possible because we all love RPGs so much and we love each other's voices so much and we just want to talk all the time. Yeah, I mean, if you have any suggestions for next episode, uh, a game you want us to focus on or a franchise or something like that, uh, go ahead and let us know as well because we're always open to talk about different games.
1: Definitely. And before we go... No, I just want to say look out for the TKEP Christmas Day. And, you know, keep a lookout on the website because we're releasing a new single soon.
3: And it's awesome. Peace
1: out!